Hey, Combo Nation, we are here back to back for back to back weeks. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Welcome to episode 365 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Today's show, John Voida, co-host of the Suns Jam Session Pod, joins in to talk about the Phoenix Suns, NBA playoff officiating, NBA Jam, the most underrated son of all time. And John chimes in if these next couple games for Chris Paul are indeed legacy games. A fantastic conversation with John. Can't wait for you all to hear it. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Jam Session Podcast. Welcome to Combo's Court. I know it's really early out there in Phoenix. Um, it's crazy. Uh, I had a Miami Heat podcast yesterday, doing a Phoenix Suns one today. I feel like I'm just going to all the nice weather places, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's gorgeous out here in the morning. You know, we're already starting to heat up to 100 degrees, so it's like, here comes summer. Yeah, I always say I love New York City, but I love it even more when the weather gets great and we're here. And actually, it's playoff time. Weather's getting better. It's just great times all around, John. Um, did you play NBA Jam as a kid? Is is the of name? Course. Okay, so so what team did you play with? Because I know the Suns, like in the very early versions, they had Barkley, but I think they took him out. Who was his replacement? And do you remember that little mix-up they, had, they like, had there? They, they had Dan Marley, Tom Chambers, Kevin Johnson. So they had... Charles Barkley for literally like one edition. And then that was it. He was out, he the whole licensing thing. But of course, I played as the Phoenix Suns. I'll never forget it. And in like sixth grade in my shop class at in middle school, they had the NBA Jam tournament edition poster and it had all the little codes on it. And me and my friends would just sit around, write down the codes, looking forward to going down to the nickel arcade. And then, you know, obviously having it for like Sega Genesis. It was just. He's on fire. It was it was fantastic. What a game that was. Most definitely. And then they had the cheat code where you could like dunk from the three point line. But I don't think they gave you three points. Was that? A, no. was that a, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and they had the cheat code where you could be like the Suns gorilla. You could be Hillary Clinton. Like it was that game was lit, man. It was like that's back when games. It was all about codes and Easter eggs and all these fun little things that you could find along the way. Now everything's like Call of Duty online based. There's no Easter eggs there. You're just getting your ass shot up by some 12 year old who's letting you know uh, over the mic that he's owning you. <laughs> At least that's most, my experience. Most definitely. We're in the middle of a heated series. Yes, we Sons are. Sons versus Mavericks. I got to ask you, because there's a lot of guys in this series that are great at manipulating, officiating, I would say. Yes. What are your thoughts on the officiating of this series and the NBA has as a whole in these playoffs? It's tough. It's tough because you forget how every season – we have this conversation every postseason. And when your team's involved, obviously you have the emotions connected to – that team, those players, and you feel like you're the only team out there who's just getting cornholed every night with some bad officiating. But I've been watching every game of every series thus far in the playoffs, and it's kind of par for the course. It's just 
the NBA doesn't know consistently how to officiate its own game. You look at last night, Steph Curry gets lightly touched in the back by Desmond Bain and goes flying into the first row, you know, and it's, it's a key foul at the end of the game, you know, and, and you're looking at every series. It's like there's, there's that play or those two or three plays every game where the, the players are, are, like you said, manipulating the referees. And you look at this series, you know, what happened in, in Dallas for the Phoenix Suns, you know, if you're a Suns fan, you're like, this is, unjust this is this can't be allowed to happen it looks like Luka Doncic is getting his eyes clawed out and he's always doing the head bombing thing and he's you know throwing up the money sign to the saying the refs are paid off and <laughs> you know that's I mean, hilarious it, and it goes both ways too I mean obviously when you have a team like the Suns and you root for Chris Paul and Jay Crowder like it's like calling the kettle black like we know that we have guys who fall down all the time too so it's just unfortunately because of the way that the game's officiated Falling down on the floor, whether it's true contact or not, is rewarded. So players are going to continue to do it until the officiating crew. Two things need to happen. Officials need to, one, have a third party try to uh, police them up and, and, and train them instead of having themselves train themselves. Like, where do you go where it's like from in a corporate culture where you they're like, welcome to, to our corporate culture. Human, uh, train- you, human resources or no? they need like a human resource. That's what they need. They don't have it. Like Steve Javi is their human resources. And he was a crooked guy too. I mean, they all are bad at, you know, there's no accountability for their job. You know, if they mess up, you know, like they'll put a report out two days later and be like, uh, yeah, we got one up. Okay, cool. You know, it's like, if I did that at work, if I was consistently inconsistent, like I'd have to go sit in HR's office. My boss would be there telling me like, Hey man, you need to work on your performance. And yet you have uh, officials like Scott Foster out there who, when he is officiating your game, it literally swings the point spread by like two or three points. That shouldn't happen, but it does when that official's working that game. Wait, we don't know Javi was crooked. We don't know these guys are crooked. I don't Come know if on. he was like crooked, but they all sucked at their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, so <laughs> when we're dealing with a general generational player like Luca or even any star in general, there's usually two schools of thought. Let's stop Luca or... You can't really stop them. Let's mm-hmm. mitigate Luca and let everybody else beat us. Or we take away the powers of everybody else and let Luca or whoever that star is drop 40. Which school of thought do you lean more on? I'm, I'm 100%. You know, I wrote a piece for Bright Side of the Sun called the Luca Rules. Okay. And essentially what it is, is I say let Luca go for 40, 45. Okay. okay. Take away his assets on the team. So uh, essentially my Luca rules, you know, kind of the playoff, the Jordan rules is here's how you beat Luca in the first half. You just, you man him up, right? There's no double teams. There's no blitzes. You just focus on, on rotating your wing defenders on him to make him work for every point he has to score. And you guard his teammates tight. And by doing so, they're not getting in rhythm. They're not hitting those threes and you're making him expend a lot of energy to score points for the team. And you saw that in games one and two against the Suns. He had, what, 28 in the first half in the first game, like 26 in the, in the first half in the second game. And by the third quarter, that's when you can start to throw some of those doubles at him. That's when you fight through the screens. It's where you blitz him a little bit. So, again, he has to expend his energy trying to navigate those, and he's already a little bit tired. And then you see by the fourth quarter, he spent physically – Chris Paul, Devin Booker, they, and they can take turns just putting him in every defensive action, and then he's, he's no longer effective. What we saw in Dallas was the Phoenix Suns were kind of a team in the middle. 
where they weren't willing to man him up. They were kind of throwing soft blitzes at him. And when you do that to Luca, he is such a premier talent and has the ability to find his teammates uh, and, and be accurate as can be with his passing. They're getting the ball wide open from three because you, you chose to double. And then they're just knocking down the shots at a historic rate. So you can't, you can't do that. My, my whole thing is like, let Luca go for 45, have Jalen Brunson and everybody else score 15, 12, 10 points. And you're fine. The math adds up. Yeah. I think that makes sense when you're dealing with a great passer like a Jokic, like a Luca, And I think even John Morant's an underrated passer. When you start mm-hmm. throwing two or three guys at them, it just makes their life easy in a lot of ways yeah. because they have that innate ability. And they could just throw the ball and the guy's wide open. They don't have to expend any energy. They just yeah. throw it real quick. But again, if you're doing that to Luca in like the third quarter, he's already used a full half of trying to keep his team in the game by scoring as many points as he can and, and doing all the jab steps. He's got great footwork, but that takes energy. You throw a couple fouls at him. You know, you bring in JaVale McGee, you have Jay Crowder getting his head a little bit, and he's mentally tired and physically tired by that fourth quarter. And we saw that in the first two games of the series. That's when Chris Paul just carved him up like a Thanksgiving turkey. But in Dallas, it's almost like the Suns, they, they were late on their rotations. They were lazy. They were a team in the middle. It's almost like they kind of thought, hey, the law of averages say that the Dallas Mavericks are a team that shoots 35% from beyond the arc. So we're going to let them keep shooting threes because that's the law of averages. They go out and they shoot 45% from three and, and, you know, you lose by 10 and you're like, wow, if we had just played a little defense, you know, a team with the the third best defensive rating in the NBA, if we just played a little defense, we would have won one of these two games in Dallas. Yeah. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I kind of got like a weird uh, JaVel McGee take. I think in the right situation, he could have snuck into an all-star game or two. Like, I think that guy's talents are underappreciated mm-hmm. and underrated. The thing with JaVale McGee is you have to watch him consistently and you'd understand why he wouldn't be. He does things like, you know, well, he, <laughs> I, see, he, he, I see, I see what you're saying. I've watched him. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, it's like he has amazing performances and he puts up in, in a limited amount of time. He'll put up some fantastic statistics. You know, he'll be out there for 16 minutes and he'll put up a double double. And you're like, dude, this guy. Yeah. Give him enough time. He could be an all-star, but over enough time, if you watch him for, you know, a, a 10 game stretch, you'll see he just does some boneheaded things sometimes. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll just throw the ball. I mean, away. He's, a, he's a shacting a full legend, right? Uh, without a doubt. You know, that's his <laughs> reputation, you know, and that's I, I've up close and personal. Unbelievable pickup by James Jones this offseason. And there's certain situations and there's certain series where he's going to be of benefit. I don't know how much of benefit he's going to be against the Dallas Mavericks. They're a team that has to play five out and they abused him in the last game, too. You know, they'll, they'll catch him kind of leaking, kind of like Gobert likes to do, kind of leaking toward the paint defensively. Two passes, you got a wide-open Reggie Bullock. He's hitting a corner three, you know, and, and that's when he you, you got to kind of stick with a small lineup against that team. Not to overuse the word mitigate because I felt like I've used that word a few times in this podcast, but <laughs> it does seem like McCall Bridges' defensive powers have been mitigated. Does that just speak to Luka Doncic's greatness, or do you think there's some adjustments that uh, McCall could make? I definitely think there's some adjustments Mikhail can make. One, he is letting himself being pulled off of every screen of Luka possible. He's not fighting through anything. You know, you see it a little bit more engaged in the second half, but I think what he's doing in the first half is he's just kind of allowing himself to save some of his energy. And every time a a soft screen comes, he's just going with the screener every time. Uh, And again, you know, in the first two games, he looked great. You know, because he was t- when he took his turn on Luca, because that's what the team was doing. Chris Paul was on Luca, and it was Jay and Mikhail and Da got some, and Cam Johnson came in and kind of got owned by Luca. But 
Mikhail was kind of taking his turn on Luca, and he was effective. But in, again, in those two games in Dallas, much akin to the rest of the, the defensive effort from the Phoenix Suns, he was just lackadaisical. And I, I, I will give credit to Luca. I will always, you know, Luca annoys the living crap out of me with the way that he flops. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's playing against your team. So that's part of it as of well. Of course. And well, and you got to, you know, understand that going back to like 2018, when the Suns had the number one pick in the draft, the big debate in Phoenix was Luca or DA. And you knew they were going to go with DA because he was a University of Arizona alum. There's a ton of the fan base is from, you know, went to the University of Arizona. He went to high school locally. Every, like you knew that was going to happen. But a lot of people, you know, myself included, were kind of in this Luca camp. And now here we are, you know, a few years later. And he I, I I'm annoyed by the way that he plays because of his head bobbing and his complaining. Uh, but I unbelievably respect who he is as a player and how he manipulates the court. He's unbelievable. And he's th- that was the big matchup we were looking forward to coming to the series. Luca versus Mikhail. Mikhail's won a couple bouts. I feel if if you say giving up 45 points, Luca's winning about but winning the game. Uh, yeah, Mikhail's being owned in this series by Luca. <laughs> well, I wasn't kind of in the Luca camp. It's well documented um, on Instagram, wherever people follow me on social media. I was telling everybody this guy is going to be the best player in this NBA jam, uh, in this NBA draft. I said NBA jam, <laughs> but it's like it was so obvious to be to be for him to be able to do what he did in Europe at that age and the way oh, he yeah. played basketball, I just knew he was going to be the best player in this draft. And I said it, um, and it, it looks like, well, it has came to fruition. Um, you know, the head bobbing stuff that you're talking about. And I, and I know you mentioned Manu Ginobili in the same sentence. Like, yes. you know, this is, this is a cultural thing. Like that's what they do. Cause I played overseas for many years. Like mm-hmm. that's what they do in Europe. That's the way they grew up. So that's a big part of, especially the guards, you know, with the, yeah. <laughs> so that's what they do. And it, it, it was always annoying playing against that, but it's just the way they grow up playing basketball. It's very soccer influenced over there. Without a so, doubt. So like, even when I first went overseas, like you would just see guys who really wouldn't get to, they weren't injured, but they'd be rolling on the floor like they were. So there's all kinds of different like cultural influences there. It's pretty interesting. No, I, I it makes a hundred percent sense to me. You know, I get it. It just, it doesn't make me less frustrated in the playoffs when I see it. I'm like, come on, man. Like Chris Paul going up for a rebound, you jump into him, fall to the floor. Like there's no way that six foot one little, you know, CP three is, is throwing you to the floor that way. It's like, oh, come yeah. on, man. And that's on the officials. They got to be better than that. At the beginning of the season, that was the whole focus of the NBA officiating crew was like, hey, we're going to let them be a little bit more physical. We're not going to reward anybody who's flopping around. And it's just like when Major League Baseball says they're going to say, you know, we're, we're going to shrink the strike zone. OK, yeah, we're going to make it more beneficial for hitters. It lasts for the first half of the season. And by the end of the season, you know, you're getting chin music and they're calling it a strike. So it's the same thing in the NBA. They just they've reverted back to rewarding anybody who hits the floor. Do you think it would be better for the NBA that the regular season looked more like the postseason? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Just be consistent. Just be consistent. How, does, you know, how, do, how do you feel that gets done? I think you start to let some of this stuff go. You know, I think that, again, they did a really good job. One of the reasons the Phoenix Suns are who they are and set the record for franchise wins in a season is because for the majority of the season, this was a physical game. You were allowed to play physical and you saw it night after night where they weren't calling the ticky tack crap. They weren't allowing, you know, if, if you get slightly touched in the back and you go fly into the first row, like Steph Curry did last night, they weren't calling that because they, you know, they were, they said it before the season. 
We aren't going to, we're not going to reward anybody who's going out of their way to try to create contact. The Trey Youngs, the James Hardens, the Luka Doncic's, you know, Chris Paul as well. We're not going to reward that kind of uh, basketball. And that plays into the who Phoenix is because Phoenix is a physical team. It's a team that doesn't really get to the free throw line because they don't penetrate a ton, but they also are known for fouling. Yeah. You know, so, and you saw that in the New Orleans Pelican series. I mean, they shot like 86 more free throws than we did. You know, we're just a team that doesn't get to the line, but we send the other team to the line. So when you're allowed to play physical, that benefits the Phoenix Suns. It's when one team's being allowed to play physical, like the Dallas Mavericks were in game four and the Suns weren't. That's when it starts to be frustrating as a fan because you're like, well, hold on. My guy just got, you know, Chris Paul just got run over by Jalen Brunson. And typically 97 times out of 100, that's a foul on the yeah. defensive player. But Luka Doncic falls down because Chris Paul, you know, Devin Booker got called for a technical foul on a follow through when he made the basket. Dwight Powell gets yeah, hit in the oh. face on the follow through. They called a technical foul on Devin Booker. Even Booker after the game was like, I've never seen that call in my life. You know, yeah. so again, that's how you kind of fix it. You allow them to play a little bit more. You allow a little bit more of the physicality, I feel. And you see that in some games where it'll start off that way. It's just, it's, it's just inconsistent. Do you think these next few games for Chris Paul, would you consider them legacy games for him? Yes, 100%. 100%. They're only legacy games, unfortunately. They're only legacy games if he fails. Because if he wins, he did what he was supposed to do. And nobody cares. No one's going to go back and be like, hey, remember that Dallas series where Chris Paul in one game had seven turnovers and the next game fouled out and for the first time in his career had more fouls than points? No one will talk about it. But if he loses, all of a sudden, that's just it's kind of like Doc Rivers, right? You know, Doc Rivers in the previous series against the Toronto Raptors was already talking about the he he wasn't even in the situation where he could have potentially given up a 3-1 series lead because it was like before game six that he was talking And he was already trying to protect his legacy because he knows that his history is one of a coach who gives up three, one leads and loses. Chris Paul obviously has a long uh, tattered past when it comes to playoff performances, whether it's due to injury or whether it's due to some bad performances like he had in 2014. So if he goes out and loses this series, Seeing as the Phoenix Suns just had their best season in franchise history, seeing that they dominated the league the way they did, ending the season eight games better than the second place team in the entire league, the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, that that's a very elite club to be in. Only 10 other teams in the history of the NBA have finished the regular season eight games or more above the competition. And eight of those 10 teams won an NBA championship. So you're going to put yourself in, if you lose this series, into you're one of those three teams that didn't do it. Couple that with the fact that it is Chris Paul, and let's face it, a lot of people are rooting for him to fail. It's a, it's a hundred percent legacy game. It'll it'll it, you know it's going to be a motivator. He's going to have to come back next year and try to do it again. But guess what? Father Time's starting to Father Time looks like he was Ding him up in Dallas, you know, because he turned thirty seven on Friday and he had two shit games. Yeah, yeah, you know. All right, one more thing before we get out of action, because mm-hmm. I was wondering about this. Most underrated son ever, I would go with Dumas. Ooh, do, what's unfortunate about Dumas is he just never got a chance. But he, but there was like playoff and I think even finals games where he really went off, yeah, right? he was fantastic because yeah. Cedric Sabalas got injured in the Western Conference Finals back in 93. So Dumas had to step up. And uh, and performing, he did and he played well, but then, uh, you know, drug problems got him and he never 
really had an opportunity to kind of extrapolate on those those time frames. Gosh. And, so you know, tough. I mean, Marley was very appreciated in the moment, but when we look he back. He was an all-star, too. He, yeah, he was an all-star. In the moment, but I now people I feel like have forgotten about him a little bit. Yeah, uh, unless you live locally because he's got a chain of amazing restaurants out here. Thunder Dan, man. Thunder, Thunder Dan. Dan yes. he, could hit, he could hit the three, and then he had that, like, well, that dunk where he stretched out. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah well, he, he also play. could play good defense, too. That's he was true. Physical, you That's know? true. He would, be re- good in the, he would be good in the modern NBA. He, he would. would. He, he would kind of be like a, like a Connaughton, but a better shooter, more consistent. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. God, underrated sons. Eddie Johnson's pretty underrated. Yeah. You know, I mean, the guy scored, what, like 19,000 points, and he's never made an all-star game, not in the NBA Hall of Fame. That's I love true. Eddie Johnson. He calls all of our local games. Uh, and he's fantastic on the broadcast as well. He, is, is he's on Sirius Radio now, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he does yeah. a great job there, too. And he is just he, – he, he's really fun to listen to because he'll call it like he sees it. There's no BS in the guy. You know, right. if you're playing like crap, he's going to call it. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll say he's the most un- now granted he won a six man of the year award as a member of the Phoenix Suns. He was a part of that Phoenix Suns team right before Barkley showed up to town. That was, you know, just winning 50 something games a year, but just couldn't get over the lake or hump. And eventually they brought in Barkley. They go to the finals and then, you know, you run into the greatest player of all time. And, you know, that's just what happens. The Bulls won in six. So every time we go to the NBA finals, we lose in six. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was tough to win championships when Mike was around. Yeah, man, that, the 90s yeah. were rough, you know. Yeah. But I'll tell you this. I loved Jordan, man. Growing up as a kid, I loved okay. Michael Jordan, dude. He's okay. the greatest. Too bad he wasn't an NBA jam, man. We had Barkley yeah, for know, a second. Right? We missed out on Jordan for NBA jam. But, John, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? And where can we find the Suns Jam Session podcast? No, I, I appreciate it. Anytime you want me, let me know. I love talking ball. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Darth Voida. My writings you can find on brightsideofthesun.com. That's the SB Nation site for the Phoenix Suns. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. We go live after every Phoenix Suns game. So once the game's over, just head over to YouTube, put in Suns Jam, come join us. Uh, you might hear some. I, I had a pretty nasty rant on the last one about Luca. I was calling him Doughboy and a bunch of F words. I was pissed. It's hard. It's hard going live after a game when you're a fan. Like, I don't get paid to do this. So I'm, I'm just, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And sometimes, especially in the playoffs and you lose, that's when you should tune in because I am pissed and I have to talk about it for an hour with my co host, Matthew. So it's, uh, it's tough. <laughs> John, you're always welcome back on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. Talk soon. Appreciate it. There it is. Thank you for tuning in to Combo's Court. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Big thanks to John for joining in. We appreciate you. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 366. Combo out.